Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability people have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihi Jolly. <laughs> Today we're talking about work, but also purpose. If you've been feeling stuck at work or in your routine, or you have a dream in the back of your head that you haven't yet had the courage to pursue, this episode is for you. Our guest is Clara Kitongo, a young woman who started practicing Buddhism at a time when she was feeling really stuck in her career and life, but wasn't sure what to do to find her purpose. Clara's journey is amazing and transformative on so many levels. I'll let her share it in her own words. Here's Clara. So I am Clara Kitongo. I work as a program coordinator. I plant trees with kids. That's what I do for my main job. I live in Pittsburgh, like I said. And what was the last question? No, that's it. Where you're calling okay. from. Oh, yeah, I'm calling from Pittsburgh. That's awesome. <laughs> Got it. Okay. And um, let's get a little bit more more context just so we can know. So are you originally from Pittsburgh? How did you end up there? Where are you from originally? Just a little bit more about you. Yeah, so I'm originally from Uganda. I grew up all my life in Uganda. When I was about 12 years old, I visited an auntie who used to live in Monroeville in Pittsburgh. And I fell in love with the U.S. for whatever reason, as a young child, maybe, it was the movies, the fast food, whatever it was like, I want to go to the U.S. and live my life. So from 12 years old, I really wanted to live in the U.S. I had this dream to come back and I came back again in 2008. I was able to like master the courage to do SATs after never doing standardized testing my whole life. And I don't know if I did well enough, but because I wasn't able to get into the schools that I wanted to. However, I got into a really wonderful school, which I did my undergrad in ended up in Pittsburgh in 2008, and I stayed here since then. Um, the city sucked me in with love and affection and pain and sorrows, and somehow I feel like I've been able to transform so much of my life since I came in 2008. But I came to pursue my undergrad in mathematics and civil engineering, and then ended up mm. working in a nonprofit world with like volunteering. And then before I know it, I just, it's like almost 12 years now I've been in this city. So I call wow. myself like a Yenzer, but although in Pittsburgh, like you have to be born here or something. Like there's a special hospital, they say. Anyway, <laughs> I still love it. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I, that's so, I love that you, this dream began when you were 12 of Pittsburgh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so sweet. So um, let me just ask before I get into other questions, when did you start practicing Buddhism? In 2016. So that's about eight years after I was in the city. That's when I ran into Namyo Horengekyo. Yes. Okay, got it. Okay, I'll ask mm -hmm. a bit more about that soon. Um, okay. So I want to start today with something that we spoke about on the phone, um, because I think it's something that many people can relate to. In fact, I just um, had lunch with a friend who was sort of sharing that this is how she's feeling right now. You mentioned that um, your journey with Buddhism began at a time when you felt like you were on sort of a treadmill type of existence or like the hamster wheel. So let's start there. What what did you mean by that? And can you tell us what was happening at that time? Wow, that's such a great question. So <laughs> I... At the time when I really started chanting or even learned about Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, I was working in a bank. I had been there for a couple of years and I thought I was going to only be there for like a couple of months when I started the job. It had become like a very comfortable job where I could make a bunch of money. And so I wasn't worried too much about my um, stability in the bank. So I was able to travel and but it just felt like I was waking up and going to work and coming back home and really not like what am i what is what am i doing at this work really what is my mission i really didn't have a sense of like okay this is really what i want to be doing and so i found myself kind of like operating on a high level of depress like i don't know how they call it when you're like high functioning but depressed at the same time so mm -hmm. smiling and very excited to see people but inside i was really very lost i'm not sure what i'm really doing with my life so after having a good week 
and I really liked that job. Don't I liked meeting and talking to people. However, it wasn't really what I thought what I should be doing. Um, I would spend my weekends sleeping and trying to like not face my life. And then Monday would come back again and then go through the whole song and dance, have a great time at the workplace and then come back again home. So it really just felt like I'm going to stay working in the bank for the rest of my life. And I'm never going to really feel passionate about what I'm doing. And it's just going to just be like this will to make money, just kind of rolling in a treadmill. So that's what I mean when I say I was moving in a treadmill type of situation. Um, mm. It just felt like I was going through the motions, but I wasn't really moving forward. And I was stuck in whatever I was doing at that time. I remember I would talk to some of the customers that I was with about some of my dreams or my past training. And they'd be like, what are you doing in the bank? I'm like, uh, uh. I just felt really stuck, you know, like, how am I really going to open this part of my life? Um, mm. So that's what I meant by that. Yeah, yeah. I truly feel like so many people can relate to that even now and when we shifted or many industries shifted to working from home I feel like that got worse for a lot of people where you're now doing that kind of whatever your work might be at home alone um so yeah I I'm sure people will tune in for that reason as well but you mentioned that you your friend said that you you had these dreams and and you had this other stuff that you were maybe thinking about doing. So what were your dreams at the time? Or had your dreams been before you, you ended up at the bank for so long? <laughs> right. So I, as a child, my first, my, the first time people ask me what you want to do when you grow up, I, would, I said to my mom, I want to be a musician. I want to sing. And then I want to teach, you know, but from my, in my home country, you don't, those are not dream jobs. Like you're not going to get paid anything. And so I quickly had to start adjusting my dream to suit the expectation of the environment, like, oh, I want to be an architect. Oh, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be an engineer. Mm. So then I started really moving in that very scientific regimented path. And I was really good at it, really good at math, really good at, you know, I, I did advanced physics, chemistry, very good. And even my bachelor's was in math. However, I feel like deep in my life, I just wanted to, to still be working in the creative space or in the, just in a way that just, I felt more, how do I say, more connected to, to, the, to my own sense of what I wanted to do, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. my dreams were to really be a musician and a teacher. That was it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what did you do? So just uh, so I understand the timeline, is the time that you were working in the bank around the same time that you were introduced to Buddhism? Yes. So it was while I was working in the bank that I met Buddhism. And actually, while I had graduated from my undergrad I, w I had a bachelor's in math and I was doing nothing with that because it was pure math <laughs> I was like why did I do pure math well there was a reason for that probably my brain needed to learn how to analyze certain things however I couldn't apply it in real life I had to either go do a PhD or something like that so but but, but basically you know the bank was a safe place for me to to be to not use my brain too much but still function and I really honestly thought it was going to be a short stint as I try to figure out, well, maybe I'll go back to graduate school or you know, try to figure out what's the next step in my life. And it moved from like wanting to be there for a year to almost three years of being in the bank by the time I met Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, by the time I started, you know, by oh, wow. the time I met Buddhism, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, tell me that story then. So why, I mean, how did you get introduced, um, you know, just briefly and why... Why did it resonate or why did you start chanting? Mm. Actually, that year I was introduced, I was like, I was already aware that my head was not a, good, a safe space. It was not a safe space to be in my head. I was really self-conscious, like, and like I was confident externally, but I was constantly judging myself internally. So it's always this voice that was, oh, you should have done this. Oh, you, do they like you? It was really a very serious I felt stuck. And I remember thinking to myself that year, like, man, I just want to break the chains of my mind. I just feel like I'm being held back. And so, you know, serendipitously, somebody who chants Nami Horengekyo walked into the bank one day and he was trying to promote an event that he was doing, um, was like a fundraiser that he was doing. And I was like, oh, this is a nice fundraiser. It was like going to be a dance party and they were making a movie about music and how it... Uh, talk, tells a story of life uh, and 
it tells the story of the people in the space that it's in. I was like, wow, that's so fascinating. So I went to this fundraiser only to find out that if not half, most of the people who were in that event were all like Buddhists and they were all like college students with a lot of energy dancing. And I was like, what is going on? I've never experienced anything like this in, in Pittsburgh. And so this young man then invited me later to uh, a meeting at his house. And I walked into this house and found like maybe 20 young people chanting very vigorously. I was like, what did I just walk into? <laughs> And it was like summer, so they were like sweating. I was like, okay, this is a whole different rhythm that we're dealing with. But it just felt so good. You know, I think he had really strong conviction when he was like, but then he said to me when I met him, what really hit me is he said, within a few minutes of talking to me, like, you know, you can live your life in such a way that you can just be yourself, that you can just say what you have to say and not, not really put on a facade. Like you can just be yourself. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is exactly, it's like, this, does this guy know that I'm trying to do this? So that was for me, the thing that I really made me connect a lot to Namyo Horenge Kyo, because when somebody told me that that is going to solve the very thing that has been holding me captive that whole life, I was like, well, let mm-hmm. me try this. Cause I definitely want to live my life where I'm free from the chains of my own mind and able to unfettedly be myself in any, in any situation. Yes. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's such an amazing way to put it actually, to be free from the chains of your, your own mind, because um, we talk so much about bootability on this show, but it's in order to tap into that, you do have to let go of like the lack of self-belief or the self-disparagement or the doubt or whatever it might be. We all have our own version <laughs> of it. So I really love that way of, of putting it. Um, so then what happened next? So you started chanting right away and, and yeah. how did it feel? Like, did things begin to change? So like, so that young man was also very attractive, very life, great life condition. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure any person who he walked on the street to tell the chant would chant because his life force was so powerful. So he told me I could chant for anything I wanted. And full disclosure, I was like, all right, I'm going to chant for you to be my boyfriend. That was like my <laughs> sincerest dream. Oh my gosh. It was like, okay. He was like, well, I think I told him. I don't know if I did, but I know that I was, when they asked you to set your goals, that was literally one of my goals. But, you know, I also attended other SGI meetings and the members there were like, I I remember a a gentleman who was like a physicist and he told me to really have very specific things that I wanted, like to uh, see in my life within six months of chanting and really give it an earnest try. And one of those dreams was to go to graduate school. And it's so funny. I looked after I, after I determined that I went back to my Facebook and so that about three years prior, I was deciding to go back to graduate school. But somehow I was able to convince myself, talking about chains of the mind, I was able to convince myself that I'm not going to be able to go to grad school. I won't be able to get recommendation letters, you know, but this time I was like, all right. He was like six months, chant, come to, come to meetings you know, like study and see, you have nothing to lose. I was like, all right, if I can get into the school of my dreams, I'm going to chant Nam Yoh Renge Kyo. And so I really put it to the test. Um, I think that man saved my life because <laughs> it didn't work out with a young man. <laughs> the more I chanted for him to be my boyfriend, the father, he went away from me. But I think through this practice, I could see why. I, um, I could really see that I was making him like the center of my life. But because this practice is so wonderful, it bring you back to your own center. Like the true, the true purpose of what he was serving became more apparent later. But mm-hmm. I was also, because of the other members that I was meeting and sharing my dreams, I was able to get to understand a little bit more how I could really engage Nam Yoho Renge Kyo in my life and how I could really open it up. So I started chanting to go to grad school and then and then somehow my environment started moving me to that direction because I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I wanted to do business, but then I also wanted to do civil engineering at some point. And so I really wasn't sure. And then one of my clients at the bank actually is on who told me about the degree I ended up doing. And it's because me and her had formed a really wonderful friendship. And after I started chanting, I could share with her my dreams. I was like, I want to be able to help people and be part of some societal transitions this is my background and she's like well, have you heard about this program 
it was a public policy and management program. And when I looked it up, I was like, why did nobody tell me about this ever? <laughs> so I immediately applied and I really feel like it was my life starting to ignite the engine to like, okay, where are we going and how are we going to move? And it almost felt like other people <laughs> were like becoming protection for my life to move it forward. And so within six months, I kid you not, I was in the school of my dreams with a scholarship. It wasn't full, but it was enough for me to be able to, you know, survive on campus without like falling apart. And uh, I was able to leave the job at the bank. And it was so crazy because I think 2016 is when I started. And then 2017, like September 2016 is when I started chanting and mm -hmm. decided I was going to go to graduate school. And I decided I was going to go to graduate school in August of 2017. So I, it was like, not like people are thinking about this a little deeper than how I was thinking about it. So it was really the practice that helped me to really bring concentration to my mind and be able to to like focus on GREs or like mm -hmm. applications. And I didn't even do my GRE well the first time, but somehow I wasn't being defeated. The members were just encouraging me to move on. And, and even like the day I, learned, I found out that I was accepted, I was so full of self-doubt. I hadn't even checked my application the whole time. Like I submitted it and forgot about it. I was like, yeah, it's oh not going to happen. <laughs> then I was having, a, I was hosting a meeting at my house because by this time I was really really practicing and supporting members. And I was hosting a meeting at my house. This was before the pandemic, of course. And um, this lady was like, did you say that you applied to graduate school? Like what's happening with us? Like, oh, I didn't even check. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And when I went to work, I checked my email and I was, and they were like, you have until like Monday to accept this. Um, and literally it was a Friday. So if I didn't check my email, I was going to miss the window. So I really felt even till the last moment I was being protected, even when I wasn't sure what my life really needed, somehow it was just being propelled forward. And then I started this public policy program and was able to finish that, you know, did a whole bunch of internships. I did some with the mayor's office. I, uh, in Pittsburgh, I, um, was able to really meet so many incredible people from around the world and make so many new friends and really challenge myself in a way like, wow, I didn't even think I could do it. And look, I did it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, then of course, more doubt came in after I graduated, but it's like an ongoing process yeah. of self-discovery. Yeah, it, it really is ongoing, but that's so encouraging. And I feel like it's such a great example because I'm just envisioning you in this like, routine of work at the bank sleep on the weekend don't know what you're doing next and all of a sudden I mean I can hear the energy in your voice like your life was just filled with energy and actual concrete dreams like actually articulating what you want to do and then having a community to support you I mean there's those two things I really feel like just you can't lose you know someone else will push you along when you're too scared <laughs> Or you'll have the energy through chanting to take the next step yourself. And then it's this kind of constant, um, those two things working together. So, yes. wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, that alone, I feel like, yeah, if anyone listening is feeling that way right now, see, see what it will do for you. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but I know that it goes even deeper than that. So, um, and you just alluded to that a little bit because um, then finding your place in the workforce after you finished grad school was also a great challenge. So, yeah, can I ask sort of how did that go? Because I know you you really, yeah, it was quite a time for you. Yes, it really was. So I graduated in 19 and um, I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, I was still really, <laughs> this doubt of myself is so deep, you know, like sometimes we think, oh yeah, I've done this thing, so now it's done. But really when I graduated, I didn't see myself doing half of the job descriptions that I was seeing on the internet. I just didn't see myself in those positions and they didn't feel like they resonated. But also I think I was too afraid to fail uh, or to be rejected that I wasn't even <laughs> even putting in an application. Or if I would apply, I'll do like the easy apply application. Like, let's just click the button. But it was really from that sense of like, do I really, what do I, I, I wasn't really quite yet aligned even in myself what I really wanted. So I went through like a deep process at that time where I, because I was not working, like 
but I had a car. I was like, well, I'm going to Uber until I figure out what I really want to do. Because <laughs> I don't really feel like I can do most of the things that I'm seeing. Well, I mean, I feel like I can do, but I can't. It's not like resonating. And I really wanted my work to resonate with my spirit. So that went into a six month window of like driving Uber, like from 4 a.m. in the morning, trying to, you know, get as many rides as I could. And then um, being done at 9 a.m. and then trying to do job applications for the rest of the day. And it was such a deep struggle because at that time, too, I was dating somebody and that relationship ended and. I think I was really putting a lot of weight into that relationship. Um, even when it like for all when I look at back at now, I was like it wasn't even like that deep, but it was really deep for me because I really loved deeply. So even when it was short, it was like really very impactful in my life. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really swaying my life, and because I had to keep going, I had to fight. <laughs> I wake up at four a.m. really driving. Really, the members too, like very you know telling me. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you should decide how much money you want to make with your Uber. Really chant, be very clear and specific how you want your day to go. So I could really feel like these members were supporting me at a time when I couldn't even support myself to just make even one step. And it's, I know it's kind of like, well, you did a master's, you should just be confident. But, you know, everyone have this thing. And for me, truly, what I've come to see is that this this polishing is making me really deepen my own voice and believe in the my own, what's in my heart versus what other people want for me to do. Mm-hmm. So I started the journey of driving Uber from 4.30. That lasted six months. I met so many people, so many different people. Uh, I mean, people who I didn't even think I would be able to talk to, like, you know, like maybe business class people, maybe like white men in suits. I remember one time I drove a white man, and I didn't even know if we could have a conversation because I was like, I don't know. It was 45 minutes in my Uber. By the time he left the Uber, he was like, this was a really great conversation. I guess the things are not really as bad as they have on the, on the news. So clearly me and him had, you know, assumptions about each other. But through mm-hmm. our dialogue, we're able to really banish those doubts. So I really started to enjoy my Uber rides where like I would have my Namyo Horengekyo card ready. I <laughs> shared Namyo Horengekyo with so many people. Oh my <laughs> like gosh. at 4 a.m. in the morning, I'd be, ch- I'd be talking to people and they're responding to me. I'm like, this is interesting because usually people would put their headphones in and go. But I really think because I was, um, I was chanting to really base my life on the law. And there'd be times when maybe like you're not getting any calls from passengers and I was just like, I have my Buddhist magazines in the car and I'm just like chanting, like, and then after reading something and chanting and closing it, then I'd get a ding, like you have a ride. So this was like, I was literally moving moment to moment with the practice and getting so much encouragement from those people in the, in the car. They were like, oh, your story is just starting. Oh, like one moment, like I took a lady and she really encouraged me so much because I think I was still in a little complaining mode of my life. And after driving her, I shared with her about Namyo Horenge Kyo. And then she told me as she was leaving the car that she had just been married and her fiance was, no, and her husband, who they'd been married maybe a couple of months, was now diagnosed with like a life. Like basically he was having some type of cancer. So they were now in this deep suffering. Mm-hmm. But her condition to encourage me when I was in the car moved me so deeply. I was like, I've decided no matter how I'm feeling, I'm going to encourage people because if this woman could share her whole life and encourage me when she's going through what she's going through, I guess she could show me like the Buddha nature, even when I'm trying to be the one who is sharing the practice with her. It really resonated so much how I should really show up even when I'm in the midst of trying to transform my life, how I could really show up for other people and hold space for them as a as Buddhism say, Bodhisattva of the earth, as a person who is choosing to use my pain to um, to bring value, to create something of more meaning than just, you know, this is a terrible situation. But that, because even in itself, there's meaning. So then one day I'm doing my Uber situation. I'm having all kinds of problems. And then I meet a woman and I was like, you know, I don't know. Uber, my Uber was getting updated and somehow my driver's license information wasn't getting connected on there properly. And I accepted this ride and I was just about to pick her up. Let me say like she was literally, I literally reached her destination and my Uber was like, yeah, so 
you can't take this ride. I'm like, what? She's literally right here. So I tried to restart my Uber trip and uh, it let me take her. She ended up like I told her about my life. We ended up in a traffic jam somehow, like entering this tunnel and I'm telling her my dreams. She's like, what? She's like, send me a resume. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay, yes, I'm going to send you my resume um, because we really resonated with each other and the work that she was doing at the university here. Um, and she said, she told it, she reached out to me a couple of, uh, in that, that evening after I sent her my resume, she's like, oh, I shared your information with my supervisor. She would like to speak with you. <laughs> so I go, <laughs> I go and speak with them and I'm like, yeah, this is just a, you know, conversation. And they're like, oh yeah, when do you want to start? I was like, wait, this was a job interview. Like, what the heck? <laughs> so, I mean, I got this position, but truly out of this um, mystic connection with this uh, woman in the my Uber. So I, I started working at that research lab. It was a temporary position. And, um, but, you know, while I was working there, I had actually been asked to give, um, uh, what was I asked to? I was asked to give, some, oh, what do you do on your references? Yes, your references. Yeah. <laughs> so I was asked for references. And one of the referees I gave was my former, uh, my former boss. I used to work in a nonprofit and I really loved her. We've been connected since I started working with her in 2010. She was one of the referees and she reached out to me. She's like, is this the job of your dreams? Like, are you excited about this job? I'm like, I'm not excited, but it's, a job that actually is connected to some of the things I want to do the you know and I'm I want to do it and she's like okay all right so then a couple of months into that it was like maybe a month into it she reached out to me she's like hey so I got this job off I got this opportunity for you to work in this position now let me just pedal back a little bit as I was driving my Uber because I was just so stuck I had to start trying to use this practice to visualize what type of work I wanted because it was just like, okay, so what is it that you want? Like what mm-hmm. type of conditions do you need in your work? Because at least then I'm not chanting about a position. I'm chanting about the type of environment I wanted to be in. And I was like, well, I want to work with kids. I want to be able to uh, play my music. I want to be able to do music. I want to be out in the environment. I want to like, so very, you know, these are the kind of things that would be like a dream job for me. Mm. So this lady told me that she got this funding and I was like, I can't really start because I just started this other position. I don't want to like let them down. She's like, you know, just think about it. Meanwhile, this time I hadn't yet concluded properly that this was a temporary position I was doing. I I can't tell you, G. It's so weird because this whole time there was just so much other stuff going on. Like my phone bills were like falling out the cracks. I was moving. I moved like six times in this whole period. Like there's just so much dynamism and I was like, what is happening? How is my life moving? And this is 2019, right before, you know, the, the pandemic. pandemic. And so January 1st of 2020, she sends me an email. She's like, happy new year, just in case. And she puts a wink in the, in the, in the chat, in the little <laughs> subject line. And she's like, just in case. And then I looked at that job description. I was like, what? <laughs> this is exactly the type of job I've been chanting for. Like, I wanted to have, you know, environmental work with kids. And, you know, the position that I do now is, you know, coordinating tree planting programs with elementary and middle school students uh, across the whole of Pittsburgh and other areas in Pennsylvania, like Western Pennsylvania, where I live. And I was like, I would be crazy not to apply for this job. And so I did it immediately. And I was apparently the first person to apply for the job. I started the work in February then of 2020. And then the pandemic started in March. (laughs) So it was literally just in time for me. And after moving for like nine times or six times, sorry, in 2019, I was able to secure my own housing, like in the first of March of 2020, then we fell into a lockdown. But I really see how my prayer was answered in such a perfect way for me to be able to be protected in the middle of this crazy time that we've been in and to really have full-time work and a position and a place just to live and and also doing the things that I love and also in 2020 I was able to get the courage to release my music so I released like oh my three gosh. songs yeah so all this time I was also trying to do music but I was 
I had recorded music and kept it in my email for like three years because I was so like, I don't know, so unsure of my life. But in 2020, I was able to get that courage and really using the practice and different, you know, in the practice, we do different, we have different significant dates and milestones. So I was really trying to use those milestones for my own, like, to create a milestone, like I was like, April 28th, I'm going to release my my first song. And I released the song and the video. And from then on, I've really been able to start to accept, oh, I am a musician. I love to sing. I want to, I want to make people feel good. And I want to create a nice energy, you know, where people can really be themselves and enjoy their space. Because again, I wanted to be a singer from a kid. I mean, my little, my uncle was a musician and he was like, this is your talent. You have to use it. But really finding the courage to tap into it was not until, you know, so far, you know, down the line in my life. But I I also have this appreciation because I'm like, I really want to do it with all my life, like with all my heart, whatever that looks like. Maybe I'm not going to be like, like on the billboard charts, but in my life, I can find ways to incorporate my passions and my dreams within the type of work that I'm doing. If it's maybe doing poetry with kids as I'm. You know, those are the kind of things that I've been engaging, you know, with my creative side of it. So now 2021, I just feel like, wow, I met a young man who I'm mentoring right now. He's a poet. He loves the environment. I'm like, I'm literally doing the thing that makes me feel so happy. And I had some serious breakthroughs and I was able to actually secure um, a gig where I performed at this world festival in Pittsburgh. It was again chanting that. I could see the wisdom and reach out to the right people and then secure this amazing show that really, it was so joyful. It just made me so happy. But again, another way that I could see when I base my life on Namyo Horenge Kyo, I'm able to do things that just beyond what I thought my mind could do or break through my own limitations. So now more than ever, though, I feel like, wow, I need to, to really deeply, um, continue to face that voice because that voice is real. And even when you're Mm -hmm. doing well, there's always other things that are coming up, but remembering that even when that voice is there, I'm still, I'm still worthy of the work that I'm doing. I'm still, I've worked hard to be able to, you know, um, to be able to open the door and have appreciation and gratitude for all of the struggles that I've been through so that I can continue to open the door of my life. It really, I feel like your journey is like, um, like one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing, like you, you're just like challenging one thing after another. Um, I, I want to circle back and, and unpack a couple of things that you said. So first of all, I love that you said that kind of that experience with the woman who encouraged you in the Uber, um, whose, whose husband was sick, because mm-hmm. I, I really do feel like that. Um, how do you say like self-doubt can be such a valuable thing when you use it to encourage another person and that comment about um you know I have a master's I should be confident like I I totally understand what you mean I've been so many people do use those accomplishments as a way to be like okay so now I believe in myself or now I'm confident and then they hide the rest of the time if they don't feel it Mm -hmm. but it's just so much more beautiful honestly you know to just be like I am struggling and I don't believe in myself but this is what I want to (laughs) do because everybody actually secretly feels that way (laughs) right (laughs) yeah Yeah, so I love that um Mm. I I did want to ask you know when you um when you said that this period that you were driving Uber and you moved so many times you said all of that so joyfully but I cannot imagine that you were feeling (laughs) happy while it was happening (laughs) so just to understand like where you were really at um Mm. whatever you feel comfortable sharing Mm, yes I mean so it was really not a joyful time Mm. it wasn't joyful but it's funny because that pain was helping me to connect with so many people at the same time because I was so suffering to open it up that so now when I'm remembering it I'm not remembering the the pain I'm remembering all these people that I was able to engage with because I was open to share um, or to sit in a suffering place with them because even I myself was going through something so so many like I met a woman who was going through a divorce I met a man who had been married a long time really successful and was trying to still figure out his life I met another man who was going to see a friend who was about to basically 
leave this earth because of the what the doctor had said but I really it was really emotional stuff that was causing me to move so much like that because and also finances to mm-hmm. be honest mm-hmm. because when you're going through that and you're not able to work as hard because you're trying to sleep so you don't want to feel things and then it's like well but you have to get the courage because if you don't you're gonna have some regrets so I really had a couple of wake-up calls but and now you know I'm also like I started to go to therapy because I realized I've been through some serious things and I really think also as a result of chanting able to get the courage to be like wow I really do deserve to just continue to go deeper into my true essence. And even though I'm living with certain things that have hurt me, I can find a safe way to process them and continue to live. Yeah, I I understand. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder, you know, in all of this time, so it sounds like you're, you started taking so much action to continue to move forward. And you had these incredible people that you met, and then you ended up landing this job that you love, which is amazing. Um, But in terms of like your daily practice of chanting, was there any sort of like Buddhist concept or Buddhist teaching or any kind of writing that you were holding on to? Because I imagine that the process of like learning to believe in yourself and be willing to go there, I mean, it takes a lot, you know, and you, you have to also have like the right attitude. So I'm just wondering, yeah, what was that like? Yes, <laughs> there are really two. And um I mean, I read this over and over and over again, and it was like hitting me in ways. I was like, how am I like, how am I stopping myself from moving forward? How can I use this practice to open the way? So let me just read parts of it. And you may have to edit some of this, but. Sure, sure. Yeah. It says, uh, the times when I have most intensely felt and experienced the inner reality of creation have been those times when I have thrown myself wholeheartedly into a task, when I have carried through with that task to the very end. At such times, I experience dramatic, expanded sense of self. I can almost hear the joyous yell of victory issuing from the depths of my being. How profound, right? Mm. And then he's, and then I, farther along, he says, uh, the sense of fulfillment and joy. This sense of fulfillment and joy is the crystallization of all the effort, each drop of sweat, each tear expended to reach that moment. Life's inherent creativity, its dynamic vitality is brought to the surface only through the strenuous exertions of a life of consistent action. And then he says, this one hit me like, I was like, Clara, how are you doing this? He's like, indulgence and indolence produce nothing creative. Complaints and evasions reflect a cowardly spirit. They corrupt and undermine life's natural creative thrust. When life is denuded of the will to struggle creatively, it sinks into a state of hellish destructiveness directed at all that lives. Then he says, never for an instant forget the effort to renew your life, to build to build yourself anew. Creativity means to push open the heavy groaning doorway of life itself. This is not an easy task. Indeed, it may be the most severely challenging struggle there is. For opening the door of your life is in the end more difficult than opening the door to all the mysteries of the universe. But to do so is to vindicate your existence as human beings. Even more, it is the mode of existence that is authentically attuned to the innermost truth of life itself. It makes us worthy of the gift of life for me like I had to read this I read it and then months later I read it again I was like wow like this is so profound I see that why this is so difficult is I'm really trying to open this door they are societal things that have been said you know you've done this you should do this and always people have many things to tell me about what I should be doing with my life with my training but really opening that door I had to go deep when he says indulgence and indolence. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. And they produce, you know, nothing creative. And then complaints and evasions reflect a cowardly spirit. I really had to start to search my own heart. Like, am I being cowardly? Why am I being cowardly? And, um, and then really have that, 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 that confidence that by really trying to push this door open, I'm really invigorating my own 
existence. Like this is Clara's mission. This is this is what she can do for the world. And um, to be honest, I still have to read that over and over again to understand that more deeply in my life. But basing myself on that, and then there's another one which for me always shifts me. It's like about um, determination, and this one always is like when your determination changes, everything will begin to move in the direction you desire. The moment you resolve to be victorious, every nerve and fiber in your being will immediately orient itself toward your success. On the other hand, if you think this is never going to work out, then at that instant, every cell in your being will be deflated and give up the fight. So those, mm. it's like in that second, it's like, I'm going to give up. It's like literally a second to second battle that, I, that I've been engaging with that I'm realizing it's really a second to second battle in life, it's like, am I going to win this, this moment as it's happening right now? Am I going to lose? So basing my life on those, those mm-hmm. passages has really helped me to get that confidence to make that step, even when maybe the environment is saying something else. But when I go to bed, I'm like, wow, I really enjoyed this day. Or like, that was a really, oh, I met this incredible people. Or like, look at these young people. They all want to do this. And I'm lighting a path for them to be able to see themselves doing this as well, because you know, the, the environmental field doesn't have a lot of black women planting trees, and you know, yeah. so really being a part of this. And very recently, I had a young woman say she was like, she must have been like six, maybe like 11 years old. She did a tree planting with us. And she's like, wow, I feel so hopeful. I want to grow up to grow forests. And I was like, wow, this yeah. young woman could see. So those are the things I'm just like, wow, there's, there's a sense of fulfillment that I don't know, like money doesn't can't give you that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That is so beautiful. And um, that second quote, I feel like I can see the difference, like the, the two, that juxtaposition of, of him describing, like when you think this is never going to work out versus when you determine yeah. that it's going to work out. I feel like it's Clara at the bank and then Clara in that Uber that day with that lady. Like that's, those are the two. <laughs> oh, that's so deep. <laughs> that's so deep. I just have this, this visual in my head. <laughs> and those are two different Claras. Is this Clara who's like resigned to just go to, yeah, truly deep. That is a very deep observation. <laughs> wow. Wow. And that, yeah, the first passage is just incredible. Um, because it, you know, when you were reading it, it made me think that the creative life doesn't really have to just be a life in the arts, the way that, yeah. way that we think. But I'm, I am so encouraged to hear that, like you're doing music and you're doing your job, you know, like you're doing all of the things and just building them into your life as opposed to, you know, we, we feel like, oh, I studied this. So my options are this, this or this. And then mm-hmm. you're like following some path that who knows who came up with it wasn't you <laughs> someone's writing this story but who <laughs> yeah but, but the courage to write our story it takes a lot of courage um of course we're living in a life we have to pay our bills yeah you know that's course. real but what you say is true about that creative life it doesn't have to be that you're an artist like doing music like it can be like how you do your work like it is you basically that's a creative life force is like who are you how are you bringing that into whatever you're doing, um, whatever it is that you're doing, even if yeah. you're just selling stuff in a shop. So I could be creative even at the bank. That may be a different Clara. Like I could still do it, but that's not my mission at this time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have one follow-up question um, before we move on. And I'm just thinking from the perspective of, you know, someone who might be listening and thinking, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And so mm-hmm. it's encouraging to hear a story of someone, how they figured it out when I feel like that's very clear, um, you know, what you shared and even like the detail of being specific about what kind of environment that you want to be in. I did something similar actually when I was trying to figure out what to do. I made a list of like, this is everything I want to learn in my life. This is everything I want to do. And this is the kind of environment that I want to be in. And I don't know what job this adds up to, but somehow... <laughs> I'm going to chant and those things, you know, so I I love that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder, you know, there is this other thing that you sort of alluded to um, of the question of should 
where there maybe are forces, whether it's where you're from, it's your family, it's the conditioning of society, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. that is like, this is what you should be doing. And so that's another dimension of, um, you know, some people do know what they want to do, but they feel like I can't pursue it because it's not responsible or because whatever it might be. And so I'm wondering if there is any aspect of that in your story and how you chanted about that as well. Wow. <laughs> Oh, wow. First of all, I'm the firstborn in my family. So talk about mm. should do certain things, you know. But I grew up in Uganda and there's like certain positions that you do and they're like, yeah, you're adding some value to the society. So maybe you're a doctor, an engineer, a lawyer. So they are already things that you should be doing that will like people will be like, yeah, that's yep. We approve that. That's great. When you come up and say you want to be a musician, it's not necessarily like, oh, that's very value creating because that's not how the society views those, mm. you know, types of things. Well, maybe now it's changed a little bit, but when you're thinking about it from like the influence of, of parent of the parentals or like those kinds of folks, or maybe your teachers, it could be for me anyway, it was a real struggle because like even to do my master's when the natural thing would be for me to go and do engineering, even when I was like, that really like, yeah, I could make a bunch of money, but like, do I really want to do that? And now the more I go deeper, I'm like, maybe I do want to do it, but in a different, from a different angle. Now that I have a better understanding of what, what really is in my heart about what I want to do. So my whole upbringing, it was very clear. Like you're going to do sciences. That's how you're going to make money, jump into STEM, you know, that kind of a thing, because that's where all the money is. And really being like, okay, I know I'm not going to be the wealthiest person, or maybe I don't have to worry about that aspect so that I can focus on my love. It took a lot of courage. For me, it took a lot of courage. And still to this day, it does because it's always that tag of war. Like, well, should I just like jump off and just, you know, go and make a bunch of money? And of course, our Buddhist practice doesn't say you can't do one or the other. Like I could do that too. But mm -hmm. really hearing my own voice and listening to it I think for me has been the biggest benefit because it makes me just a lot more confident than sitting in a room where I'm just like no this is not my story I'm 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 just sitting in someone's storybook and but Buddhism allow me to write my story with confidence so mm -hmm. really chanting about chanting about transforming that I think was just based mostly on like just my dream. So when I was like chanting to go to grad school, I think because I was so focused on what I wanted, these other things were being shifted in my heart, the things about being afraid to make that step. But it was happening so naturally that I wasn't even aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, I still am doing human revolution. I feel like this is a beautiful journey. And maybe in 10 years, I'll be in a totally different space, you know, Maybe I'll be an engineer with environmental stuff. Like, I don't know, right? But I do know that I'm open to to what my heart is beating towards, like whatever that really looks like for me. And more than ever, I feel like, in fact, it's so funny. When I did my master's in public policy, I thought my parents wouldn't even like be for it because I was like, I thought they wanted me to be an engineer, but they just wanted me to be happy. But I had this expectation that I'd also put on what approval would look like from them. So I was kind of trying to do things for their approval. And really, all they really wanted was for me to be happy. And so when I saw that, and and then when I showed them my music, my dad is like, I want to be your manager. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, really. That's showed amazing. Me. Yeah, it was like internal. I had to break that. And when I did, it was easy to see that my family just wanted me. And I also feel really grateful that I'm in the family that I am because that's not the case in every family. And of course, some families are more conservative and it's just this or the other. So I also have that gratitude to my family and my parents who just always support my life, even when it's like, they're not sure what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. But that, yeah, it really, it does call to mind also the concept of the oneness of self and environment because at the end, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is that it's not even so much about what you're doing or what you decide to do, but like if it's coming from a place of deep confidence and excitement because you're really in touch with yourself and you're treasuring yourself, your environment sees that and people do respond differently. I've definitely experienced, you know, those phases of my life or my career, my parents are like, what exactly are you doing? <laughs> and then 
nothing really dramatically changes on the outside, but I start like really being in touch with myself and feeling mm-hmm. confident. And they're like, we're so excited that you're doing this, this, and this. And I'm like, you actually wow. understand what I'm doing? <laughs> like what amazing. happened? But it's just, I was chanting and I felt good. <laughs> so wow. I totally, I love, I love that. Um, so this has been amazing. I, I want to be mindful of time. So maybe we can wrap up with a final question. Um, yes. So I love to always end the podcast this way, which is always with a piece of advice. So for anybody listening who's new to chanting or uh, maybe they even have been chanting, but they're sort of struggling with this this theme, I guess, you know, of like opening the door to your own life or doing that thing that you're afraid of or you feel doubtful about, what advice would you give them? Wow. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I would say, you know, keep going and really listen to what's in your heart. And there's one guidance that I, I don't know exactly where it's, I can't place it, but it's always, I've heard that the heart is the greatest painter. Like your heart knows, like you can follow what's in your heart and really chant with those pieces. And even if it's cloudy in there, you're not sure, you can be honest when you chant. It's cloudy and I'm not sure. And because how wonderful Namyo Horenge Kyo is, somehow your life just, it just starts to move. It just starts to move in that direction. It, uh, it, and you, 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 you start to get the help, but then you have to act though. And it may be scary if you're not sure the steps, but really if you chant even just five minutes or just if you can only master the courage to do three, I don't know. But when you do it from your heart, even when it's up, even if you may be confused when you're doing it, Namyo Horenge Kyo is going to lead you towards the direction of your happiness. And naturally, naturally, even as you are looking maybe confused, you'll be like, it'll be like, wait, wait a minute. I'm actually living the life of my dreams. And to me, that's how it unfolded. And I really feel like, more and more, I'm really trying to paint that picture vividly in my mind, what it is that I truly want and chant with that vision, like what I want, what I want. Even, I swear, I couldn't tell you how many times I was like, I don't know what I want. I had to be that honest, you know. So if you're in that place, you're not sure. I, I just want you to believe that Nam Yorenge Kyo is your life. And when you're chanting this, somehow your engines are moving. Maybe things will look on the surface like uh, they're actually falling apart, but they're actually just falling in the right places for you to really open this door. And, but it takes a lot of courage and, you know, you have to not be scared, but it's worth it because you have this one life to live. So why not live it on your terms and make it the best that you can? What struck me about Clara's story is that often, when we feel like we need to get unstuck, it's easy to look outside or go elsewhere to find yourself. But Clara did it right where she was, by taking actions step by step and looking inward for her bootability. If you're listening to this in August, you might be participating in our 31-day chanting journey. But if you haven't started yet, it's not too late. Feelings of stuckness, self-doubt, or simply wanting to discover more of yourself are amazing reasons to try chanting. To join, just visit bootability.org and subscribe for the daily newsletters. We'll continue to cover career journeys on the podcast as well. And if you happen to be listening to this after August, no worries, you can just start now using the day one prompt and take it day by day, or explore the site for more articles on career and purpose. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.